Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we are joined by Neil Count, President and CEO of the National Society of Leadership and Success, the largest accredited leadership honor society in the United States with over 700 chapters and more than 1 million members nationwide. Listen as Neil and I discuss the latest wave of talent entering the workforce, Gen Z. Neil shares some of his thoughts on the unique advantages and even some challenges facing the newest generation of workers and offers some advice to HR professionals looking to attract their next great hire from the Gen Z talent pool. Let's check out the episode. Neil, thanks for joining the HR Works podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Josh. Now, Neil, before we dig into really understanding the Gen Z employee and all that comes with that, the benefits and maybe some of the challenges, I'd love to know more about you as the president and CEO of the National Society of Leadership and Success. Uh, Share a bit about your career path and your professional growth and really what led you to your current position, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Happy to give that background. So, I've been in the uh, the business side of education for about, gosh, almost 16, 17 years now. Um, prior to that, I, my career started off actually in finance. So did some banking with JP Morgan and you know some other financial work. But what's interesting is that I actually come from a family of educators. So I'm of Indian descent and my family's from the northeastern part of India. It's called Assam. And so all my aunts and uncles, they're professors at universities. My grandfather, he was a uh, really noted historian uh, in Assam. And you can actually find his books in the Library of Congress. But it's interesting because I I really didn't have a passion for education growing up, yet I found most of my career has now been in education. So it's just kind of funny how far, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So it's been interesting. And and now that I've been in education, you know, for close to two decades, I love it. I mean, it's it's the industry I think I was I was born to be in and uh, yeah, thrilled to be here. And then more specifically, I've worked with different types of education companies. So I've worked in all levels of education from K to 12 to adult workforce training, and now really focusing in on higher ed and corporate opportunities with the society here. So yeah. That's great. And how long have you been with the NSLS? So I'm relatively new to the NSLS. So I am about 60 days in seat. So I'm relatively new, but That's great. I've been working in the uh, leadership space for yeah about 14 years. So from Kaplan University, um, I actually started my own company uh, called Kennedy Executive Education. It's based out of Latin America. So what we do is we partner with universities to build certificate programs, and then we bring those certificates to uh, areas like Mexico and Colombia and work with universities, employers to really kind of focus on reskilling and upskilling. So led that group for a number of years. And so um, this kind of feels full circle to me back here at the NSLS, which I absolutely love. So yeah. Congrats on the new role. And that's a great background. So if you don't mind, just for our audience who maybe haven't heard of the NSLS, could you just share a quick overview of what the society aims to achieve and what the background is? Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes the society is the society that uh, is one of the best kept secrets in higher ed and which we're trying to change now. Uh, But the National Society for Leadership and Success is actually coming up on its 20th anniversary. So we're typically known as the largest leadership college honor society in the world. So we've got over 1.5 million members in the United States and some other parts of the world as well, but mostly in the U.S., um, and we work with uh, just over 700 universities in the U.S. And primarily, we're working with undergraduate students. 
And so what we really focus on doing, the way we look at it is we're preparing tomorrow's leaders. Um, and so a lot of that comes from our framework that we focus on, which is this kind of learner to leader framework. You know, if you think about kind of leadership in college today, you know, you kind of read a textbook and then you take an assessment, right? Well, that's not really practicing leadership. So what our honor society has the opportunity to do is to work with students and give them that environment and that opportunity to actually practice leadership. And the way we look at it is that, I mean, we're really impacting tomorrow's leaders, which is exciting for us because the word leadership is going through a bit of a redefinition, right? Um, in terms of, at least from Gen Z's perspective, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, I think right now students and, and kind of Gen Z is really thinking about what leadership means to them and how they can impact the community and the world in a positive way. And I think leadership is going to be a big part of that. So we look at kind of our opportunity to support students uh, and it's not necessarily an opportunity, but a responsibility to kind of really help them build that skill set to make that positive impact in the community and the world. So, um, so yeah, so we've been working mostly with in higher ed. That said, we are now starting to work with companies as well, um, because a lot of companies are thinking about what to do with Gen Z. How do we kind of keep these folks? Because everyone knows about the great resignation. So we really focus on engaging that community of leaders. That's great. And let's jump right in there to talk about yeah. Gen Z, because I think you're, you're totally right that the great resignation, it hasn't gone away. It's still top of mind to all HR leaders as they're moving into 2022 and preparing to bring in that next yeah. wave of talent that is Gen Z. So what can we learn and what can you share with us about the Gen Z workforce? Specifically, what are some of the unique advantages that recruiters and HR professionals can find from adding members of the Gen Z workforce into their team? Well, Gen Z right off the bat is incredibly diverse, right? So you're dealing with the most culturally and racially diverse generations, you know, in the US and in the world, right? And so that's right off the bat, you're getting much, much more like diverse perspectives when it comes to what Gen Z is bringing to the table. In addition, I would say that Gen Z is really innovative, right? So specifically what they're innovative around is kind of the future of work, right? And kind of the hybrid work environments that you know, that we live in this new work-life fusion that is, it's not really work-life balance. I mean, it's really work-life fusion. Um, and Gen Z is, if you really think about it, they're kind of the first real digital native generation that are actually really digitally like productive. And so they think differently than previous generations, like about how to best merge digital work environments with in-person collaboration, right? So, you know, you're dealing with just a, with a community of folks that I think are really well suited for like I said, the new work-life fusion that we're in. So lots of advantages there. And let's just look at the other side. Are there any challenges facing the new Gen Z employee as they enter the workforce? Yeah. So while I would say they've got the tools and the skill set to be incredibly productive, I think there's also, you know, kind of there's two edges to the sword, right? So, you know, what I mean by that is Gen Z, I would say, is the first real generation that is working in this completely remote work environment, right? So many of them, I think, are feeling that like negative impact of not having those inexperiences and learning how to navigate the workplace, right? You know, for many of us millennials, right? Like we had that opportunity to work at large companies and, you know, around kind of the water, we didn't really hang out around the water coolers, but the coffee machine and other things, right? So we had that, I'll, I'll never forget, right? Like when I was you know, I, I had interned at a company in 99 and this was like the beginning of the dot-com boom, right? And you're getting so many fun things. Like it was like the first company I've ever seen that had like a pool table and then they have like margarita Fridays and all this stuff. And Gen Z's not really getting a chance to experience that, right? I mean, because they're having to, you know, they're equipped to work from home. But I think what the challenge with that though is that they're not really getting to experience some of the soft skills development that they need to kind of progress through their career. So I think it's 
going to be a little bit harder for them to network. And networking is such a key component towards leadership, towards really improving your career, right? And so I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge for Gen Z is how to kind of overcome that hurdle um, that us millennials, I think, might have taken for granted. Uh, that's really interesting. I, I love that you reference back to the addition of maybe ping pong tables into the workplace oh, yeah. or just different factors that played into what we thought were important to corporate culture at the time. Yeah, Those are completely different now in a world where so many workers are, are working remotely and virtually and again, may not be sharing that workspace in a physical sense, but are clearly working together and finding new ways to collaborate. It's that sense of community, right? Like, and I think you get that when you're in that in-person opportunity. Now, I will say companies, I think, are doing a great job of merging to this to this uh, new work life fusion and i think they are finding ways to build that community whether if if you're full, so in our case right so as a company we're fully remote right like we used to have an office in jersey city where most of our staff worked out of right and so now we are 100% remote and so um, what we do is that we do you know plenty of these kind of all staff meetings and weekly meetings and those types of things but we also try to bring the entire group together again assuming everything's safe with covid and those sure. types of things we try to bring them together once or twice a year just to kind of get some of that development some of that camaraderie which i think is important so yeah it kind of depends on what each company wants to do but i know for us um, moving to this has been really helpful, not only in terms of us getting stronger at working in this new space, but also attracting employees, which is incredibly difficult now. And so having these types of benefits of them being able to work fully remote has been helpful for us. But um, at the same time, you still have to kind of think about how to kind of maybe build that skill set for Gen Z. And so that's why we have a lot of our employees go through our own program where we actually teach them some of those skills too, in terms of how to network, how to build a peer group, those types of things. And that's a new challenge for so many HR professionals, team leaders, and really just organizations on the whole of creating that new avenue for building corporate culture and also really onboarding new employees, right? I mean, those are all factors that we're now learning on the fly and creating as we go. Oftentimes you don't meet and don't get to socialize in person. Yeah. I think it's been really interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a new environment that we're all working in. We're all learning at the same time, but I think some of the things are still consistent in terms of building that soft skill development, which I know many HR professionals are acutely aware of, right? So it's just maybe doing it in a different format now that they're going to have to consider. Absolutely. So Neil, I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, the challenge that many organizations are facing with attracting new talent, Yeah. right? And, and I think that's something that that's really interesting to look at. And certain generations are looking for and prioritizing different things in the companies they're interested in, right? So what yeah. are some elements that a Gen Z talent pool is looking for in the employers that they're looking to join? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's an important question because, you know, as we talked about, it's never been more difficult to find these types of employees. And so I think the thing that is, I'm not sure most employers are considering, and maybe some are, but that Gen Zers, I mean, they they really want to work for a company that has similar values to theirs, right? I would say that Gen Z is, they're a little bit more, not a little bit more, they're extremely active with social and political causes. And they actually expect now that companies they work for um, and companies that they buy from to stand up for the causes that they believe in too, right? So like that's different than previous generations where, you know, companies could be a little bit more quiet or, or you know, kind of be a little bit more passive. They can't really do that anymore because Gen Z wants to work for those companies. And, and also a place that is really focused on making the world a better place. I mean, I think that's something we've seen extremely consistent in terms of kind of the desires for Gen Z employees. And again, you know, we work with 1.5 million students, right? Like, so 
we have a sense and it, it ends up being the common denominator. So I think that's something for employers to really think about. That's really smart. And I think it's really apparent that the values of the employees need to be reflected in their employer and vice versa. I think that's become more important now in the last few years. And certainly we're seeing that with Gen Z more than maybe in the past where the values weren't necessarily thought of first as opposed to the paycheck or other aspects of the job itself. So then are there any methodologies that maybe once applied to previous generations entering the workforce that don't really work now with the Gen Z worker? So this kind of follows up from the previous question, right? But like 10 years ago, right? Companies, they tried to be as neutral as possible, right? When it comes to taking a stand for social causes. Remember like companies like Ben and Jerry, they've always been vocal about social causes and they were really, really in the minority. Now companies like this are in the norm, right? If you look at you know, kind of what happened with uh, Netflix last year and the Dave Chappelle stand up, right? And, you know, you've got employees that are really concerned about these issues that impact others for, you know, social and racial equality. So if your company is going to be slow to change, you're going to have a much, much harder time attracting and recruiting these Gen Z employees because you have to kind of also understand too, right? Earlier, most companies, right, we're kind of working in a specific geographical region, right? And you're kind of targeting the talent that's in that region. Now, because of the work-life fusion that we're in, employees can work anywhere. And so there's so much more competition in terms of, you know, you were once competing against the firm down the street. Now you're competing against everybody in the country and maybe in the world in terms of attracting those same people. So as a Gen Zer, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, why would I work for a company that doesn't have those values that I do when this company, even if it's in uh, Mountain View, California, has those types of values that I share, right? And so they're going to go and work for those folks. And so you just have to kind of be really mindful of that. And it's just going to be tough to attract and recruit those same folks if you're not adapting to this change. Absolutely. And yeah, you find that some of maybe tangible items that were once valued with previous generations really don't matter as much. Having a gym or workout space or having a great cafeteria or shared office space doesn't really hold the value and the weight that it maybe once did to attract new talent as we're going into this new generation. You know, it's interesting, right? Like I would say even like five years ago, right? Like some of those things mattered, right? In terms of, you know, when you look at kind of the tangible benefits that you're providing employees. But I think I think there's been a real significant change more recent. And you could say it's from COVID to some degree as well, but just being so socially aware and understanding causes and understanding the fight for equality. I think that really, really matters to Gen Z. And I think that's that's probably higher on the priority list for them than has been by any generation by far, right? And so if you're really thinking about attracting, not necessarily today, right? You're still obviously working with millennials and Gen X and, and even boomers to some degree, right? But if you're really thinking about the future of your employment workforce, start thinking about putting those tracks in now. And now one thing I found really interesting with Gen Z, and you mentioned just diversity really being a champion topic of Gen Z and really of organizations across the board. Yeah. There almost seems to be a new opportunity for Gen Z employees entering the workforce who may have a stronger voice than they previously ever did. As companies look to be diverse in thought, in understanding and just who their leadership culture is, there seems to be a new avenue to having a voice in a company. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely the case. Which is really encouraging, right? I mean, you used to see a world where it would take years of developing your career to really be heard at the C-suite. And, and we're now seeing companies that are listening to new members of the workforce and using that as their charting growth opportunities. It's absolutely the case, right? And, and just like I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, it was with Netflix, right? So exactly what happened with Dave Chappelle, right? So when his, when his special came out that offended many members of the transgender community within Netflix, those employees, they have their own kind of they, their own specific groups related to uh, LGBTQ employees, right? And transgender employees, they have their own specific group as well. But they held a walkout, right, from Netflix. 
And what ended up happening is that basically the co-CEO Sarandos came out and said, I made a mistake here in the sense that I wasn't listening to our employees, right? So employees are going to be heard, right? And so it's just a matter of time until you, you know, as a company decide to kind of adapt to that change, especially with Gen Z, you're going to hear from them. No question about it. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode of the HR Works podcast is brought to you by Namely. The modern day workforce is constantly evolving. It's more important than ever to not just keep up with the nature of business, but to stay ahead and keep employees engaged and connected along the way. And that, my friends, is why you need Namely, the all-in-one, do-everything HR solution that can handle any curveballs 2022 throws your way. Namely arms you, the HR professional, with the tools to easily adapt to the ever-changing workplace and maintain a great employee experience with onboarding, performance management, and intuitive benefits enrollment, all rolled into one connected and modern platform. Plus, Namely can streamline your payroll, time tracking, and vacation requests. So whether you have a team of 50 employees or a workforce in the thousands, you can be everyone's favorite HR leader. Companies are built on their people. Don't let either one fail. Stay ahead and learn more about making the switch to Namely today at Namely.com. Don't wait. That's Namely.com. And now back to our episode. So Neil, are we seeing any industries or roles that are really coming to prominence with the Gen Z employees that are entering the workforce? Not necessarily. I mean, I think all industries at this point, I think one that you hear of quite a bit is entrepreneurship, right? Is that Gen Z is, is very interested in, you know, kind of charting their own course. Um, but I think entrepreneurship is one of those that's always been around. And when we look at kind of our students, right, and kind of the companies that they're you know, matriculating into and kind of that they're focused on, we do see, I guess, a little bit of a lean towards healthcare. Um, you know, I think we are seeing that as a little bit more of an area. And, and again, makes sense in terms of mission driven, in terms of helping people around the world. Makes sense that you would see that. But I would say that, you know, for the most part, every industry has its opportunity to attract Gen Z employees. They're there. They're willing to work. If you've got the right message and the right cause and, you know, you're willing to develop people, you can attract some of the best talent out there. And they are talented, let me tell you. That's great to hear. And again, that that's a great message, I think, for our audience of HR professionals, knowing that there is great Gen Z talent out there that could fit any position in your organization and not just one industry. So really be out there in the market and look for those new budding and talented individuals that are entering the workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Neil, again, knowing that you're still relatively new in your current role as president and CEO of the National Society of Leadership and Success, you've still experienced so much change over the last two plus years since the start of the pandemic. And and we've all learned so much about ourselves and how to be better leaders and better professionals. What have you learned and what's one thing you could share with our audience that's made you better at your career? One thing I would say um, is make sure your team has a growth mindset. Okay. And what I mean by that is most people think about growth mindset. What they think about is how do we drive revenue? How do we drive profit? How do we get more customers, increase our channel, whatever it is? Yeah, that's part of it, right? But growth mindset is really how you're also challenging your employees to grow, right? And what that means is, are you putting them in a position where they are able to explore and try opportunities where it may not work, it might fail, but they're going to learn. They're going to learn and they're going to pick up skills. They're going to pick up battle scars. So in times of crisis, you know, you've got a team that's ready to adapt and move. And I think that's something that not enough companies do, right? We are all highly metricized companies, right? We're all looking at quarterly goals and our three-year highly achievable goals and our BHAG and all this stuff, right? I get it. Those things are important, right? But at the same time, you've got to find a way to give your team that opportunity to build that growth mindset, right? And to explore and be curious and build things. 
You got to find that way because that's going to build a skill set that will be incredibly value when you face crisis situations, which we all did two years ago, and we all will again, right? And so it's something to really consider for any HR professional, any learning and development professional, right? And what are those opportunities to kind of allow employees to learn and to grow? That's a really smart approach, right? As maybe a team leader, you can be the quick solution and you probably know how to do the task and address it quickly and efficiently, but what's the ultimate goal and what's the, the growth opportunity there versus bringing your team on board and giving maybe a new team member an opportunity to try and learn how to do that that role, that task, the end payout is certainly better in that you're investing in the people, you're investing in their development and ultimately coaching them to be a stronger employee that you can rely on in the future. Yep, that's right. I love that. That's, that's great advice, Neil. So before we wrap, I love to just get a sense of what motivates people. So for you, Neil, when you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor and you start your day, what gets you going? What's the one thing that really gets you started? You know, I think there's a couple of things, obviously, in terms of kind of the Maslow level needs of taking care of my family and ensuring that, you know, we have everything we need. Um, I think part of it, what really motivates me, I know this, it's not meant to sound cliche, but it, it is my team, right? And that's my favorite part of my role, right, is continuing to build my team every single day. Are we putting them in positions to grow? Are we giving them that opportunity to develop their career? I just find that I love it, right? I absolutely love it. And and I think it's something that starts to kind of grow within the company. And you start to see that from the executive team to the middle managers, to the directors, to the individual contributors. When we kind of bring that level of thought and care into our organization, it just continues to grow. And it's something that I learned early on that's really helped me in, in kind of each company I've been in. But it's something that really gets me going is in terms of really kind of supporting my team and supporting their growth. That's great. And Neil, before we wrap here, do you have anything you want to plug for our audience? Anything you're excited about coming up in 2022 that you'd like to share? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so at the NSLS, you know, as I mentioned before, we are now um, starting to work in kind of the corporate environment, right? So at this point, what we're doing is that we're starting to take a lot of our leadership programs that allow employees to kind of practice leadership and bring that to companies, right? And the good part is that it's different than just kind of reading about leadership and then taking a test. No, it's really an opportunity to build those peer groups, build SMART goals, give that opportunity to your employees to build those leadership skills that are going to be incredibly valuable as we kind of move forward here with Gen and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, you can always uh, learn more about us at the NSLS.org. So NSLS.org. Um, you can find our programs there. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But I really appreciate you inviting me today. I think it, it's great to see um, uh, podcasts like this that continue to kind of bring kind of the word of leadership to others. All right. It's Neil Cowan, President and CEO of the National Society of Leadership and Success. Thanks for being on the HR Works podcast. And hopefully we can talk again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.